Entrepreneur on Fire, episode 177. Welcome to EntrepreneurOnFire.com, where remarkable entrepreneurs share their inspiring story. Let their journey illuminate your path to success. And now, your host, John Dumas. Fire Nation. Let's join together and thank our sponsor, LegalZoom, as they make our daily show possible. Support Entrepreneur on Fire and protect your business all at the same time by going to LegalZoom.com, finding the right services for you, and entering FIRE in the referral box at checkout. Okay, Fire Nation, let's get started. I am simply thrilled to introduce my guest today, Clay Collins. Clay, are you prepared to ignite... You betcha. All right. Clay is compelled by a vision to provide simple and beautiful software that allows entrepreneurs to attract an audience, build their list, and generate revenue. And he's determined to fulfill this vision with integrity and in a way that best serves Libre's customers in the highest degree possible. I've given Fire Nation a little overview, Clay, but why don't you take a minute, tell us about yourself, we want to get to know you, and then tell us about your business. I'm an entrepreneur. I dropped out of high school when I was 17 to start my first software company. And um, I think it's, it's really just in my blood. Right now, I have, I'm, I'm in my 30s. I'm not 15 anymore. Uh, <laughs> but I'm in my early 30s. I have a software company called LeadBright. And we create web apps that help people build their audience and grow their list. We've got a 10-person company right now, and we're growing month over month, and we're really happy with what's going on right now. Well, Clay, I love Librite for a lot of reasons. I endorse your products, which I use and that I love, and I can't wait to delve more into those later on in the interview. But before we do, we always start Entrepreneur on Fire Off with a success quote, with a mantra of some kind to get that motivational ball rolling and get people really fired up for this great content you have for us. And I know that you, Clay, have a great mantra lined up for so take it away. Yeah, so my mantra is only do what you can't not do. And the thought behind this is that throughout my life, every time I've tried to push myself to do something, it hasn't worked for me. And I think so often we get caught in a pattern of, of trying to push ourselves to do something that just isn't in our DNA. And so rather than seeing success as something where I constantly need to be striving, I kind of flipped that. And what works best for me in my life is when I only do things that like I simply cannot do. And when I find myself lacking direction and lacking motivation, I will literally sit in a corner and not let myself do anything until I feel that I can't not do it. So when I'm feeling a lack of purpose in my life, I'll, for example, I will spend an entire uh, day or sometimes a weekend sitting in a corner and I will literally wait. And this is kind of a, a, a very like visceral thing to say, but I will literally wait until I have to go to the bathroom, right? Because I can't not do that. So I'll go <laughs> to the bathroom, right? And then I'll sit back and uh, in my little corner and then at some point I have to eat, right? And I can't <laughs> not eat, right? I have to eat. So I'll go and I'll eat and I'll sit there like that until I feel like I can't not do something with my business. Uh, and, and that's sort of what I do next, you know, when I'm feeling a, a void in direction in my life. And uh, so that's the mantra for today, I guess. 
Oh, it definitely is, Clay. So give us an actual example of a time that you force yourself to sit in the corner until you just came out of that. And what was that and what was the result? So we were selling information products and I just woke up one day and I knew, I knew that we couldn't sell them anymore. I knew that I couldn't get on another webinar and sell, sell information based on the outcomes that it was going to produce for people when I had no idea whether or not it was going to produce those outcomes for people. I was sick of an industry where people like sort of in the guru industry, everyone's trying to take credit for other people's success, right? So like if you sell an information product and you put out some course and someone has success based on it, right? Like you want to grab that testimonial and kind of in, in part claim responsibility for their success. Or if you have some like high level mastermind, you want to point out all the in quote students of yours that have gained success from using your system. And I think both of those things are disingenuous and not a hundred percent honest, both claiming success for other or claiming responsibility for other people's successes or selling information based on outcomes that people will get if they implement everything that you tell them to. And, you know, maybe it sit, sits right for some people, but it just didn't sit right for me. And uh, I, I sort of was sitting in a corner <laughs> on a Sunday night doing that, and I called up my business partner, and I was like, we've got to do something different. And that was when we shifted from selling information to selling software. And it didn't happen overnight. And I ended up softening my marketing a lot. And, um, it, you know, and, and a whole bunch of things changed. It, you know, someone said, I forgot who, but says, success usually happens in the midst of chaos, right? And I think that any time that I've ever had any huge success in my life, sort of the events surrounding that success, um, especially when it was sudden, feel chaotic. And so I don't have a real clean story to tell about what happened there other than I knew that I couldn't go on like like I was going. Um, and, and that was the same experience that got me to become an entrepreneur as well, just simply do like like doing what I could not do um, because anything else was just suffocating me. The infamous pivots Eric Reese of the Lean Startup loves to talk about. And it's so important for entrepreneurs to realize that if you're driving with a head full of steam in one direction and it's just not feeling right, it's not resonating with your authentic self, you do need to step back and just reevaluate your situation and say, is this really the mission that I'm trying to fulfill? Is this my vision and my goals for what I'm doing? And Clay, you did that. You stepped back, you reevaluated, you pivoted. And what has come from that is Leadbright, which now produces amazing products and services that are helping so many people. And you can feel great about that because you know that it's doing this. So I love that story. I love that mantra. And it leads us perfectly into our next topic, which is failure. Challenges, obstacles that as entrepreneurs, we face every single day on certain levels. But Clay, take us back to a time in your journey when you just failed, when you were just in despair, or when you came up against an obstacle and a challenge that you really had to dig deep to overcome. And how'd you overcome that? I honestly feel like most of my life has, has been a failure. 
like I pinch myself every single day because of how light, how good my life is because I realized that like five years prior to today, like my life has sucked and pretty much everything I did like didn't work out. Yeah. You know, I had a great childhood. I grew up on a farm, like whatever. It was, it was great. I don't mean, I don't mean to diminish it by saying whatever, but it was great. But, um, after that, like, let's see what happened. Uh, I went to private school, dropped out, homeschooled, dropped out, went to high school, dropped out, started a software company that failed, uh, went to undergrad, dropped out, worked, stopped, uh, went back to college, finished, went to graduate school, dropped out, tried graduate school again, dropped out. And, uh, and I am where I am today, probably because of all those failures. So, like, <laughs> I think a better question might be what has worked because, um, you know, th- I've, I've done this business longer than, um, than I've done anything in my life ever, you know, including, <laughs> including relationships. And it was, it was having this, the business that I have right now that even paved the way for me to have a successful relationship. I'm getting married pretty soon. We've been together for three years but if if I were lost in you know my entrepreneurial endeavors and didn't know my identity and didn't know who I was and was riding that string of failures, I definitely wouldn't be in a place to be in a successful relationship. So what's going on right now is very unique kind of in the scope of my life and, and I believe and hope that it will c- continue, um, but most of everything just really hasn't worked out. So I'm glad that this has. It's been a good five years. <laughs> it's so important to realize that everybody has a journey and every entrepreneur's journey is riddled with failure. And when you look back on it, you realize that each of those quote unquote failures were actually building blocks to get to where you are now. Leadbright never would have come about if you hadn't learned from your mistakes, if you hadn't learned lessons from past failures to build upon them and to finally figure out what the target market wants, what the audience needs, what your customers' pain points are. But you figure that out because of your failures. You've built up Leadbright with products and services that now answer those pains, those sufferings that people have on a daily basis. And it's very welcoming to see someone who's willing to share these stories, these failures with the audience. So I definitely commend you for that. Cool. Clay, let's move into the next topic, which is the other end of the spectrum, because you've been so open and honest with failures, with challenges and obstacles that you've had so many times throughout your journey, but you've also had so many aha moments. Some have worked out, some haven't, but take us back to one that did, a big light bulb that went off when the clouds parted, the sun just shined right through, the angels started singing, and you said, man, this resonates with my authentic self. And then how did you turn that moment into success? The biggest aha moment that I had was that rather than building information products that teach people how to do things, that I could build software that embed all the teaching into the software so that I didn't have to teach anymore. So for example, we have a piece of software called Lead Pages, which creates landing pages for people. Um, One of the probably most prolific testers in internet marketing uh, Ryan Dice and his company uh, used it recently to get a 72% opt-in rate for a webinar registration page. They reported it as the highest converting landing page in the history of the company. And this is a company that runs tests weekly. Um, 
And the reason why this works is because rather than me like teaching a course, uh, you know, about how to do all this stuff, I just embed it in the product. People don't have to learn it. They can just kind of uh, start off from day one doing the right thing, even if they don't know what the right thing is. And I found that I'm so much more successful now when I do content marketing, when that content is about software. I used to spend days on a blog post and, you know, people would subscribe to my blog when they read it and people would leave comments and people would feel enthusiastic and stuff. And, but, you know, it it would have marginal success. And now I'll spend mm, 45 minutes on a video talking about something that we've implemented in our software and I'll get three to five times more comments, three to five times more social shares, three to five times more sales, three to five times more interest and enthusiasm and links and everything. And so I almost feel like I sucked as a, you know, as, as a guru or as a marketing teacher because I put in the same amount of effort in my current company now and it goes so much further. Now, I don't want to pin that as saying like, oh, software is a panacea because it's it's not and it's not right for everyone. You know, we have a development team of four full-time developers. They're all full-time in-house you know, well-paid people. We have two full-time support people. There are headaches left and right that I'm not going to get into. This isn't like I just hired this out to the Philippines or whatever. Um, we pay as much as we possibly can on human resources. You know, I, I work my ass off. Um, but so this is more about what works well for me than what I think is, is going to necessarily work well for everyone. There are some amazing people who frankly suck at software and I see them moving from software to information products because it's really where they shine um, and and I think for me it was about going the other direction because uh, well because I'm just not a philosophical person at all so I don't have a lot of rants or things to teach really I just like making software so people see Lee player and they say wow that's such a great idea that's so obvious. Why didn't somebody do it beforehand? And you know, it's always in hindsight more obvious than it is pre. So my question to you is, Clay, take us down to the ground level where you actually came up with that idea or somebody on your team came up with that idea. And like, what was that moment like? And then what steps did you take afterwards to make it happen? Yeah. I mean, almost all the great ideas that I think I've had really aren't good ideas. They were just, they were completely obvious. And they're because we live in the trenches of this world that we live in every single day. We live in the trenches of our business and so many people don't. So I had bought a video player because I heard that you could use it to add uh, calls to actions and opt-in boxes to videos. Like that's why we bought the product. And in fact, I knew that's why most people had bought this product, which in some ways is a competing product. So I originally bought this one product and I just wanted to add an opt-in box. And when I added, when I went to go do it, I found that they were really just taking the, like you had to go into your autoresponder, grab the form, put it in the video. It was clunky. It didn't allow you to skip the opt-in if you just wanted to watch it. It didn't remember if you had opted in or not. Um, it, you know, it required first name. And, you know, after you submitted the, um, the, 
well, people can go check out Lead Player if they want, but after you opted into the video, uh, the video didn't immediately start playing. It was just ugly. It didn't work. There were all these custom, these frustrations. So I actually hired a developer to modify the video player, like the code of the video player, to do what we wanted it to do. And when people saw it, like they flipped out. And the first question they asked me was, how did you do this? What tool did you use? Because people always want to know the tool. Like it doesn't matter. You could do the most brilliant thing that anyone's ever done and they'll be like, oh, what WordPress player did you use? Like you could like do some like crazy ninja that is obviously custom developed and people will be like, oh, can I get that for $17 somewhere? Like everyone is, is so commoditized your skill set. Like you could make the best sales video of your entire life and people will be like, oh, what program did you use to make that? Like they will, <laughs> they never see like, the hours of like work and just slaving over it that went in, they'll just be like, oh yeah, is that, so you bought this course? And I'll, be, anyway, so, <laughs> um, so people were like, oh, how'd you make that? And I told them the software we used, but then they'd buy it and they wouldn't be able to produce the same results. So I knew that there was a need. I knew that people were willing to pay for it. I knew that people were really jazzed when we took some existing software modified it to do what we wanted to do. And so I knew that there was something there. And um, so we created a product that allowed people to to do something. And, uh, and, and, and it was just incredibly successful from day one. See, I love this story, Clay, because so many listeners out there have great ideas. They just don't know how to take that first step or they're afraid to take that first step. And it's so important listening to these successful entrepreneurs such as yourself who did take that first step, who took that leap, knowing that you were going to fail the first time, knowing that you were going to have to just continuously be improving and implementing better ways and procedures. But at the same time, you're always moving towards that goal of providing amazing quality products, services, and support, which by the way, Leadbright has amazing support on every level. I've been there. I've had issues with certain things or just questions, and I've reached out to Leadbright. Their support gets right back to me, and it just says a lot about your company in general, Clay, that you really care the whole experience, not just that initial first click of the sale. Yeah, I think there are things that I know we need to do right, but I don't have a vision for them. So customer support is one of those things where I know that we need to have the best customer support. And I know that I want us to have the best customer support in the industry, but I don't have a customer support vision. Like, I don't know what that would look like. So um, I hired my co-founder a while ago, and one of the things that she oversees is our customer support because she has an extensive background in customer support and she has a customer support vision. Like, each person, uh, I think, in their business only has so much vision bandwidth, Right, we only have a vision for so many things, but yet there are there's all there's like hundreds of things in our business that need to be done well, and I think it's important to hire the best people that we possibly can to fill those gaps. And I think one thing that's unfortunate about the I'd say the entrepreneurial environment that exists online is that it feels like a lot of people are building their businesses based on uh, exploiting opportunities or exploiting loopholes. So there's some like Google algorithm and you can exploit this loophole or you can hire people abroad for cheap. So I'm going to exploit this arbitrage loophole or, you know, um, now's the right time to get in on Pinterest or, you know, Facebook ads or whatever. And so there's a lot of, of 
people that I think don't believe they can build an amazing business purely on providing incredible value and being the best in the industry. They only think they can do it based on exploiting these little loopholes, whether they be human resources loopholes or marketing loopholes or you know tax loopholes or whatever. And um, I think one of the things that we made sure we didn't do is build one of those businesses based on arbitrage or loopholes or whatever. Like we simply want to build, you know, to create the most value we possibly can uh, in, in a way that's scalable. And that's what's worked best for us. If you do lead with quality, good things seem to always happen. And I mean, we're definitely on similar courses, Clay, because at Entrepreneur on Fire, that was my one vision. My one goal when I launched was just to create the best quality, both audio and content-wise, podcasts that I possibly could and deliver them on a daily basis. And I knew that if I got out there and I just continued to be consistent with my quality, with my release schedule, that there were people out there driving to work, going to the gym every single day that wanted to consume this content you know, in a very short period of time, Entrepreneur on Fire has grown to a top 15 business podcast, over 150,000 unique downloads every single month and growing. And it just shows the listeners that if you lead with quality, if you lead with content and authenticity, good things are going to happen. And you're definitely experiencing the same thing at Leadbright. So again, I've commended you once before. I got to commend you again. Yeah, I think the only way to really beat the competition and I don't really think about it in terms of competition, but I think the only way to build a business that grows fast and that has success is to literally do what nobody else can. I remember back in the day when I first started blogging, there was a guy named Leo Babalta who started a blog called Zen Habits. Yes. And he was posting like five times a day. And I remember sometimes he would put out guest posts and he would have like five guest posts happening on blogs across the blogosphere, like out on the same day. And people had all these conspiracy theories, like he had hired a string of writers and he had all these ghost writers that were doing stuff. And he didn't do any of those things. He was simply doing what nobody else could. And that's why he grew faster than anyone else. And what you're doing with Entrepreneur on Fire, like putting out daily podcasts with amazing people delivering value day after day, like literally doing what most people cannot do, you know, what 99% of other uh, podcasts can't do, that's what's going to get you in, you know, into the top of your game. What we're doing with Leadbright, four full-time developers, all of them like the best in their field. I'll put them head to head with like the top teams in Silicon Valley. We'll take them down. Like my, my co-founder Tracy has hired over, I mean, sorry, has interviewed over a thousand people uh, in her career in HR. She knows how to hire the best possible talent. I'll put her head to head with anyone. Like we're literally doing at Leadbright what nobody else can do in our space. And that's why we're having success. It's like very clear that we're head and shoulders above the competition in terms of the quality of products that we put out, in terms of the services that we put out, in terms of the support that we put out. It's not like someone could just come out and be like, oh yeah, I want to compete with them because the mode around us is so big because like literally like 99% of the companies that are competing with us simply cannot do uh, what we can do. And so I really believe that's the only way to win. And you, you certainly don't start out there from day one. Like nobody starts out there. So I don't want to make anyone feel intimidated. Um, but it's certainly where we are today. And it's certainly where uh, most businesses are by the time they start kicking serious. Like nobody can compete with them. The moat's so huge. 
Clay, I could not agree with you more. And this is really a perfect lead-in to our next major topic, which is your current business. Take Fire Nation through a couple things that are just really exciting you right now. So the thing that's exciting me the most is the landing page marketplace that we're creating for Lead Pages. So Lead Pages is a web app that allows you to quickly create landing pages for your business. We've got, you know, webinar registration pages, we've got squeeze pages, we've got you know, um, industry specific pages, you've got, you know, thank you pages, you've got interview series pages, you've got a whole bunch of um, different conversion pages in your business. If there's a page that's important to like, that's relevant to making money in your business, or uh, increasing revenue or the size of your audience, we have a page for that uh, in lead pages. But what we're coming out with soon is a landing page marketplace where designers can submit their own landing pages that are for sale and that can be quickly deployed uh, using lead pages. So if you're a designer, you could upload a, um, oh, let's say a, uh, a homepage for building a list for a laundromat business or something like that. And someone could find that page, maybe a laundromat could find that page and um, probably laundromats aren't building lists, but any <laughs> any kind of page that someone's building, they could find it, they could instantly deploy it on their website. They could hook, they could hook it up with Aweber or MailChimp or iContact or Constant Contact or whatever they're using and be off to the races and the designer would get paid, we would get a small cut of that, they could deploy it instantly, and they would have all the back-end analytics immediately, like split testing and stats and all that stuff on the back-end. And what's really cool about this marketplace is that not only will you be able to sort by popularity of the templates in the marketplace. So let's say you want to find a webinar registration page template. You could go there and you could sort not only by what the best sellers are, you could also sort by uh, average review and, and rating for the templates, but you could also sort by average conversion rate for those landing page wow. templates. So we want to gamify conversion for designers, the designers are competing against other designers for the highest converting uh, landing pages. And we think this is going to be um, a major contribution to the field of conversion science. We think this is going to revolutionize the marketing world. Wow, that is exciting on so many levels. And I know that you and I have worked a little bit together on a podcasting landing page. Which I'm extremely excited about to show off to Fire Nation. Awesome. Awesome. I'm excited about you showing that off as well. Let's take a moment and thank our sponsor, LegalZoom. Fire Nation, are you waiting for the perfect time to start your dream business? That time is now. LegalZoom and Entrepreneur on Fire have partnered up to make sure you get started right. Whether you're setting up an LLC, S-Corp, sole proprietorship, nonprofit, trademarks, or copyrights, LegalZoom takes care of you from start to finish. Their award-winning service was developed by the best legal minds in the country, and every business gets personalized attention. One stat I love, Fire Nation, is that 90% of LegalZoom customers would recommend the service to their family. There is a disclaimer to know, guys. 
LegalZoom is not a law firm, but they can connect you to an attorney and provide self-help services at your specific direction. Let's sum this up. If you're an entrepreneur and want to ensure you are protecting your business, call or visit LegalZoom.com and protect what's yours. Make sure to enter FIRE in the referral box at checkout for additional savings. So, Clay, we've now reached my favorite part of the show. We're about to enter the lightning round. And this is where I get to ask you a series of questions, and you come back at us with amazing and mind-blowing answers. Sound like a plan? Sounds great. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? I think trying too hard. So I believed that in order to be successful, um, I needed to do things that were difficult for me to do. And nothing could be further from the truth when I did what was easy for me, what came naturally for me, when I did what I could not do, I had and I continue to have the greatest amount of success. So um, when you fight against yourself, you will lose every single time. And that's what most people do when they attempt to do great things. They attempt to fight against themselves because they have it in their head that it's going to be difficult. And so they invent difficult things to do that they end up failing at. I love the phrase, be your authentic self. And I say it over and over again in To Fire Nation, on Entrepreneur on Fire, because I am such a big believer in just what you said. If you're being your authentic self, if you're really just being genuine with who you are, it shows you exude that and good things happen. So Clay, what's the best business advice you've ever received? Do what you know. My grandfather told me this when I was really young, and he said, you know, people approach me. My, oh, by the way, my grandfather is my hero. He sold more citrus trees than anyone who's ever lived in the history of the world. He grew about 600,000 trees a year from, uh, from, the, from around the time when he married my grandmother uh, until the day he died. And uh, he showed me that something as simple as growing citrus trees is something that you could perfect over the course of your life. And when he died, uh, he had citrus trees that, uh, you know, lived longer than other people's, produced more fruit, didn't die, survived frosts, all these things. And that's because he did what he knew. And he, he told me, it's like people approach me about all kinds of things, investing in, you know, subway franchises and all this stuff. He's like, I don't know about anything like that. He's like, all, all I know how to do is grow citrus trees. So that's what I do. And um, and that's sort of our philosophy here. We do what we know and we do what we love. And um and so that's the best advice I've ever received is do what you know. Beautiful story. What's something that's working for you right now? Two things. I'd say hiring the best people we can possibly afford to do the job rather than engaging in a human resources race to the bottom, you know, hiring the cheapest people we can find overseas merely because it's a good deal. The question for us isn't, is this a good deal? The question is, is this going to have the highest return on investment? So if I'm going to spend $100,000 a month, that's cheap if it's going to return a million dollars a month. And so we start looking at ROI rather than, you know, what is the absolute fixed cost? Great advice. Do you have an internet resource like an Evernote that you're just in love with that you can share with Fire Nation? Yeah, I'm going to say, okay, so this is totally self-promotional, but I'm going to say lead pages. I use it every single day in my business. We've had higher conversion rates, higher opt-in rates than we've ever seen before. We put our blood, sweat, and tears into it. We have a full-time people full-time team of four developers working on it. We have two full-time support people um, working their rear ends off, giving you the best possible experience. 
And uh, I've never had a better experience with a product before. (laughs) (laughs) Clay, you have given us such great advice. Believe me, you can take a little self-promotion here and there. Awesome. If you could recommend one book for Fire Nation, what would it be? It would be The Innovator's Dilemma by Clayton Christensen. Probably the best book, in my opinion, in the history of entrepreneurship that's been written about entrepreneurship. There is no excuse for any person um, who is seriously interested in entrepreneurship to not read this book. This book has fundamentally changed my life, changed my outlook, and um, and and just had a huge impact on me. So I would say The Innovator's Dilemma, and I would also say The Lean Startup. It's a little bit cliche, but it's a damn good book. Uh, a lot of people latch on to concepts like uh, the minimum viable product and the pivot and stuff like that. And those are very shallow concepts. I think people should read the entire book, but read Clayton Christensen first. Love it. Well, we had Eric Reese on the show. He was amazing in every way, shape, and form. And like you said, you can really just go with the surface on the lean startup and get like that MVP and all those things. But when you really dig deep, that book holds a ton of substance, just like Eric does himself, which he proved in the interview. And Clay, we're going to be linking all of these up in the show notes, everything that you've mentioned today. It's going to be at entrepreneuronfire.com slash Clay Collins. And this next question is a little tricky, Clay, but it's my favorite, so I'm going to ask it. And you can take your time, digest it, and then come back at us with an answer. Imagine you woke up tomorrow morning in a brand new world, identical to Earth, but you knew no one. You still have all the experience and knowledge you currently have, your food and shelter is taken care of, but all you have is a laptop and $500. What would you do in the next seven days? I would find the area where entrepreneurship was happening and I would move there. So throughout history, there have been pockets of innovation. So during the Renaissance, it was Florence. And like literally historians cannot explain why there was such a dense concentration of creativity there. But it was it was it was in the water. It was it was part of the zeitgeist. Like for whatever reason um, artistic innovation was happening there and scientific innovation was happening there and so many things just came together perfectly right there in that place. And in today's world, there are pockets like that too. Silicon Valley has not, people have tried to replicate that and it simply cannot be replicated. And so in this parallel universe, I would find the place that it was the equivalent of of uh, Silicon Valley. I guess are you saying identical to Earth? So it would be Silicon Valley, right? Like, um, so I guess I would I might move to Silicon Valley if I knew no one. That's what I would do with my five hundred dollars. Clay, you have given us incredibly actionable advice this entire interview, and we are all better for it. Give Fire Nation one parting piece of guidance, then share with us how we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. Okay, great. So my parting guidance is pre-sell everything you do, every single piece of software we've created, any product I've ever made, I sold it far in advance of making it, making it profitable before we invested one cent uh, in creating that product. And there is 
no excuse for not knowing whether or not your thing is going to be successful before you create it. That's piece of advice number one. Piece of advice number two is the biggest asset you have in a business, in my opinion, is your audience and your relationship with that audience. So before, during, and after thinking about creating any business or any product, create that audience and continue to maintain that relationship with that audience. A lot of people evaluate markets. They're like, oh, do I want to get into this market or do I want to get into that market? Well, the truth is audiences don't buy products. People buy products. So figure out who you want to serve, create an audience uh, of those people and uh, and serve them. And that will be an audience you can take from business to business and you can sell product uh, after product too as long as you hook them up big time and you, uh, and, and you take care of them. Uh, people can find me at marketingshow.com. That is my blog. Our company is also called Leadbright. So you can go to leadbright.com, L-E-A-D-B-R-I-T-E.com. Wow, Clay, you have been so generous with your time, your expertise, and your experience. Fire Nation salutes you, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Awesome. Thank you so much, John. Fire Nation, I have an incredible opportunity for a select few of you. I have partnered with entrepreneur on fire sensation Woody Woodward and his publishing company. We are bringing together New York Times bestselling authors, including Tim Ferriss, Seth Godin, Barbara Corcoran, Gary Vaynerchuk, and others, and combining them with entrepreneurs just like you to form a book series titled Conversations with Visionary Entrepreneurs. This is an amazing opportunity to highlight your business and expertise in a way that will give you a competitive edge and position you as an expert in your chosen field. To find out more and to listen to Woody's and my conversation about the book opportunity, go to entrepreneuronfire.com slash author. That's entrepreneuronfire.com slash author. Thank you for joining us at entrepreneuronfire.com, your daily dose of inspiration. Prepare to ignite.